thing on. Hey everybody, this is Luke from Cinepub. Just starting you off a little PSA to make sure that you have everything you need before you start listening. Hopefully you have your headphones in and are ready to go. Great. You've got your beer, cocktail, water, whatever your drink of choice is. Perfect. That's it guys. This listening business is way easy. Unless you're at work, in which case, put the beer away. Come on, at least wait till the boss goes back to his office and Karen isn't looking over the cubicle making sure you're not watching TikToks or playing Among Us or whatever game the kids are playing on their phones these days. Make sure your TPS reports are done, and then let's get back to it. Cheers. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of the Cinepub Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, and on this, the first episode of 2021, which just so happens to be episode 21, and I swear I didn't plan it that way, I'm going to be digging through my favorite movies of the disastrous year that was 2020. Movie-wise, I think it was actually not as bad as some of us think that it is, outside of the fact that The way we all saw movies took a drastic turn, but the content I don't think was any worse nor any better than any year prior. Though we did miss out on quite a bit of stuff we would have otherwise gotten to see if COVID hadn't hijacked our lives. I made the decision to go ahead and include any horror picks that I felt also qualified as being my favorite of the year, so to accommodate and not repeat anything I said on the last episode for every movie that made my top 10 from that list that I'd already talked about in my top 10 horror episode, I added a pick on top, so we've ended up with more or less my top 15 movies of the year. And when I come across anything that I already covered in the horror episode, I'll just name it, uh, say a few words, and then move on to the next. As I was trying to put together this list, I did come to a realization that some of the movies that I had thought were 2020 releases were actually from 2019 which goes to show uh, you the weird time vortex that we've all been suffering through the last year, so it took me a little longer to narrow it down. And because I'm also a bit of a hypocrite, I pivoted from my horror episode and opted to consider anything that I had seen as part of a film festival last year that might not see release until hopefully later this year. I don't really want to drag this uh, episode out too much, uh, just because we're just counting down my top movies of the year, Uh, and I don't have any elaborate drinking concoctions, though I am sipping on a beer from the good folks at Full Fledged Brewing Company out of Council Bluffs, Iowa, which is their Floyd the Barbarian Hazy Session IPA, which is very tasty if you ever find yourself in the Council Bluffs neck of the woods. I would wholeheartedly check out their taproom as it's a very spacious little area and they have a lot of great beers on tap. 
We're going to take a little bit of a break, and I will get into my top 15 of 2020. I'm back. Uh, Like I said, I don't want to drag this out too much, so let's just go ahead and get the ball rolling here with my number 15, which is Onward. Rich Rigor in Physia! Hey, you can do this. If you know me, you may not be surprised that this won't be my last animated feature that made the cut. I've always had a fondness for animation as a medium in general because I have always uh, been taken with stories that it allows artists to tell and the imagination and creativity at play. Onward follows a pair of brothers who are gifted a staff imbued with a magic spell that's meant to bring their late father back to life for one day so he can see who they've grown up to be. But the spell is flubbed, and all that comes back is their father's pants, and the brothers embark on a quest to complete the spell before the day runs out. I have a soft spot for this due in large part to the fact that I did an episode on this with my oldest daughter, and being able to do something like that with her about a movie with this central premise is something I'll always cherish. It's easy to see how manipulative it is, which is something that's not uncommon in Disney Pixar terms, but I really liked the fantasy lean to this as well as the world building, which speaks to the imagination and creativity I mentioned before. I don't think this is the best that Pixar has to offer, but I still believe this is in the upper tier of movies that 2020 had to offer. Onward features voices of Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia Louise Dreyfus, and Octavia Spencer. It was directed by Dan Scanlon, written by Dan Scanlon, Keith Bunin, and Jason Headley, and is available for purchase in stores and on demand or to stream via Disney+. My number 14 is Tenet. Aim it and pull the trigger. It's empty. Aim it. Check the magazine. How? One of these bullets is like us, traveling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? It's inverted. Its entropy runs backwards, so to our eyes, its movement is reversed. We think it's a type of inverse radiation triggered by nuclear fission. Upon seeing Tenet for the first time, I was not entirely convinced that, one, it was anywhere near the top five of my favorite Nolan movies. I liked it, but it was loud, messy, and incomprehensible at times. 
but it was fun and full of the action bravado that we've all, or I should say most of us love about Nolan movies. Over time and through rewatching it, I have come to appreciate the things that I loved about it even more. I still believe it to be lower tier Nolan, a lower tier Nolan movie that is still quite messy, but the spectacle of it all is something the likes of which we've never seen. It's not exactly a hard concept to wrap your head around, but the rules of this particular world are complicated. And so what Tenet is, is one of Nolan's least audience-friendly releases disguised as a crowd-pleasing blockbuster. Kind of a Trojan horse, if you will. All of these backhanded compliments for a movie in my top 15, I get it. But honestly, in spite of all those things, this movie is still very much my thing. Nolan has proved himself to be his own worst enemy lately, but the fact remains that he's a top-tier filmmaker whose ideas are sometimes a little unrestrained, but I've long pushed for indie filmmakers be given the chance and budget to take their big ideas to a bigger stage, and Nolan is the personification of that type of filmmaker given a much larger toy box, and I'm not about to start advocating for a filmmaker to reel in their ambition. Tenet stars John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, and Kenneth Branagh. It was, of course, written and directed by Christopher Nolan and is available to rent or purchase on demand and in stores. My number 13 is Bad Education. I see you in a race car. Great, you don't need that. You're in a race car. First place at the Indy 500 with, with all the sponsorships in the world. And the wind is in your hair and you're feeling just great. And all of a sudden you, you feel this thing behind you digging into your fender and you look into the mirror, right? And there's this hook. There's a hook in your fender. It's right, dug in real good and it's connected to a, a long metal rope. And at the end of that rope is, well, it's a massive five ton cinder block. Okay, Chad? All right, so your job is driving, you're Dale Earnhardt, and here's this cinder block, and all the other cars are soaring past you, and you've gone from first to last place, and you keep thinking to yourself, what the hell do I have to do to get this thing off my back? Well, I'll tell you, Chad, it's real simple. You just put your foot on the gas real hard, and you accelerate, you accelerate so fast, that rope snaps in two, the cinder block explodes, and just, just say it with me, Chad, accelerate, accelerate, accelerate. Accelerate? Yes. What, what is your problem, huh? My problem. My problem is you. Based on the real-life scandal of a beloved New York superintendent, Frank Tisson, who, along with his fellow employees, became embroiled in the largest public school embezzlement scandal in American history. Just with Hugh Jackman in the lead role, this movie has a charm to it, even as we see characters making terrible decisions. It's not just Jackman, though, but Allison Janney and the supporting cast, they all put in great performances. And while there's a lot of drama to this, in the long run, this feels very much like a comedy of errors or just a comedy of incompetence. Still, it's doing what it's doing so well and is so enjoyable as a dramatization of a real-life scandal. I mean, I wish I had more to say about this, but... Outside of the fact that I had a great time watching it, I thought the performances were great, and uh, I shed, it shed some light on an event that I previously didn't really know anything about. Bad Education stars Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, and Ray Romano, 
It was directed by Corey Finley and written by Mike Makowski, but also based on a New York Magazine article, The Bad Superintendent by Robert Kolker. It is available to stream right now via HBO Max. My number 12 is Black Bear. So you're a film director? Mike told you that? Oh, I mean, I'm right. No, Mike didn't say anything. Just the vibe I'm picking up. Oh, that's funny. What else did he tell you about me? <laughs> no, nothing. He said, uh, you used to be an actress and now you're a director. Mm. I, swear to, I swear to God. Why'd you give it up? Acting. I didn't. I think people just sort of stopped hiring me, maybe. But I'm actually happier doing what I'm doing. At least now I can eat cookies sometimes. What was it? Were you difficult? Man, you're nosy. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just wasn't attractive enough. Oh, yeah. Mike mentioned that you like to fish around for compliments. Well, that is not true. I do not like compliments. Well, I don't think that's why I stopped. You really don't need to prove anything to me. I, I prefer weak, sickly men. Is that what your husband's like? I don't have a husband. One of my favorite things about a top 10 is, in general, is being able to maybe turn some people in the direction of something they missed or maybe even never heard of. If you haven't heard of Black Bear, its official premise is about a filmmaker who retreats to a cabin in the woods to spark her creativity and get away from her troubled past, only to find that the setting summons her inner demons in intense and surprising ways. I'm here to tell you that that particular description is misleading. Yes, that's how the movie starts, with Aubrey Plaza as an actress who people deem difficult to work with, so she's turned indie director and stars in her own films and retreats to a cabin in the woods with a couple who appear to be on the rocks, and <clears throat> over the course of the night, a drunken conversation leads to everyone showing their true colors. Except it doesn't really end there. In fact, explaining much further is both misleading and potentially spoiling the movie, which ultimately this is more of a uh, this is a movie that's more about the creative process and the sometimes horrific things artistic types in a position of power go about getting or creating their art at the expense of others. Aubrey Plaza gives a riveting performance and Christopher Abbott makes his first of two appearances on this list, who also puts in a really great turn here. I recommend going into this knowing as little as possible, I guess outside of what I've already told you, but I found this to be immensely enjoyable, very well made, very well written, uh, had me guessing. I wasn't exactly sure where it was going, but once you watch it, you'll kind of see what I'm, what I'm getting at as to why you don't really want to talk about it too much, but I wholeheartedly give it a recommend. Black Bear stars Aubrey Plaza, Christopher Abbott, and Sarah Gadon. Gadon? I, 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 I'm horrible at people's names. It was written and directed by Lawrence Michael Levine and is available to rent or purchase on demand. My number 11 is The Invisible Man. The first or more than a, the first of more than a couple of movies that you may have already heard me discuss on my top 10 horror movies of the year. So I will refer to that episode if you want to hear more. Same with the other choices that are on this list. This one comes in at number 11 of my overall favorites and honestly 
I thought it would end up higher, but then again, I often find putting these in a particular order very hard. And at the end of the day, depending on my mood, it could very well be higher. So Invisible Man, that's my number 11, which will lead us into my quote unquote top 10, starting with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, Ma, we're ready to go. Where's my Coke? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, boys. Where's my Coke? I need a Coke. Hard as it is, shoot. I need coke. What's the matter, Ma? Where's my coke? I need a cold Coca-Cola. Uh, Ma, look. I forgot the coke. Let's do it without it, huh? Just this one song. What say, boys? Damn what the band say. You supposed to have my Coca-Cola. You knew that. I knew nothing without my Coca-Cola. Just a minute here, Ma. You come in an hour later. You need to Wait get out of my face, Irvin. I is... told you to keep them away from well, me. I'm tired of her nonsense. I'm not going to put up with this. Let me. Ma, listen. I'll call down to the deli and I'll get you a Coke, but let's get started, huh? Sylvester's standing there, ready to go. The band's all set up. Let's do this one song. Huh? Don't you cheat to buy me a Coca-Cola. I'll buy my own. Slow drag, Sylvester. Come on, baby. Get me three bottles of Coca-Cola, ice cold. Get y'all something, too. Keep the change. Yes, ma'am. Urban, get away from me. Yeah, you can wait till I get my Coca-Cola. Ain't gonna kill you. Okay, Ma. Get your Coke. Gentlemen, the band room. Christ's sakes. Get your Coke. I held off the last couple of weeks recording this so that I could try and fit in as many things that I had missed or that had came out late in the year. And so I was glad I did because it gave me the chance to sit and watch something that originally wasn't on my radar, at least not to get to right away. I knew the talent involved, but for whatever reason, I just it, it just didn't sound like the type of movie that I would typically rush to watch. Being that I'm obviously big on horror movies, uh, with lofty horror movies and movies with lofty premises. I found this to oftentimes be completely spellbinding. This movie is an adaptation of a stage play of the same name that portrays a fictionalized version of a recording session by the renowned jazz singer Ma Rainey and her band. Tensions rise when Ma arrives over an hour late and her ambitious trumpet player flaunts his ego at the wrong times. This is a movie about this is a movie of performances and boy do I love a good scene chewing performance. Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis deserve Oscars for their work here, but it is Boseman whose performance provides such a powerful powerful spark to this as well as the dynamic and interplay of the other band members as the dialogue just pops on screen. It also has a deep and profound thing to say about the exploitation of uh, black people in entertainment but also portrays and has a love for the arts and black culture's influence in jazz. Yes, some of it seems a little overdone at times, and its setting invites a little bit of overproduction and silliness to certain aspects, but this is a 90-minute movie that just flies by, leaving you in awe of the talent involved, and of course, the talent that we lost so tragically in the form of Bozeman. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom stars Viola Davis, Chadwick Bozeman. Coleman Domingo, Glenn Turman, and Michael Potts. It was directed by George C. Wolfe, written by Ruben Santiago Hudson from the stage play written by August Wilson, and it is available to stream right now via Netflix. My number nine is Dinner in America.
I have two movies in the top 10 which technically have not been released in a wide capacity that I viewed as part of two separate virtual film festivals, and this is the first. Dinner in America is essentially a love story between two unlikely characters as their two worlds collide. Kyle Gallner plays an aggressive punk rocker named Simon, who is on the lam for various crimes, while Emily Skeggs plays a timid outcast named Patty, who is obsessed with an underground punk band. Patty provides a place to crash when she encounters Simon, and the two begin begin a bizarre relationship that helps Patty come out of her shell and provide an outlet to release her punk wildness. This movie is so goddamn fun. Its energy is infectious, and the chemistry between the leads is undoubtedly odd at first, but much like the movie itself, you just find yourself finding stride with what it's doing, as it is incredibly abrasive at first, since it gives you a lot to take in with Simon as a character, as he's grimacing grimacing and walking with an intense purpose everywhere he goes when he's not setting people's lawns on fire or hitting on the mom of the girl he was initially going to hook up with. But Gallner is so damn good in this, as is Skeggs, plus the two wind up composing an absolutely killer song that serves as the film's uh, overall attitude and theme. My recommendation is to absolutely see this movie, but it's worth noting that you should do so knowing that it's F you and everything else attitude may be a little bit too much for some. Dinner in America stars Kyle Gallner and Emily Skeggs. It was directed by Adam Raymeyer and is, as of recording this, a release date has not yet been announced. My number eight is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And here's another familiar pick. You can hear more about this one on my previous episode for my top 10 horror movies of 2020. And much like my previous pick, I recommend approaching this one with caution as Jim Cummings is a bit of a wild dude and this movie too is quite wild. And then moving on to my number seven, which is Wolf Walkers. Why do you want to be seen? Being a wolf is way better. I'll show you. Can you smell me? <laughs> of course. Everybody can. <laughs> well, close your eyes. Don't need your eyes to see. And you can hear every little thing that moves. And your paws can hear through the earth. And we have four legs now. You can run really fast and jump so high. Hey, wait for me. Keep your nose down. Behold, the movie that drove me to start a free trial of Apple TV Plus and then make me consider keeping Apple TV Plus just so that I could watch it again and again. Wolfwalkers is a 2D animated movie about a young girl who moves to Ireland with her father, a wolf hunter, charged with exterminating the last known wolf pack that's been plaguing the local village. Things get complicated when the girl befriends a free-spirited girl from the woods who reveals herself to be a wolfwalker, a mysterious tribe of people who transform into wolves when they are asleep. This is a breathtakingly beautiful movie and one that I have a deep admiration of, not just because its message is emotional and beautiful, but because it embraces 2D animation and pushes the boundaries of the medium in astounding ways. 
It's doing things with animation that personifies art and can be described in no other way. This movie is a pure work of art. You might be saying, okay, well, if it's that good, why isn't it in your, why isn't it your number one? And I'm glad that you asked because the honest answer is that I don't know. I mentioned that depending on my mood any given day, this order could fall any number of ways, and it just happened to fall here at my number seven the day that I put this together. And I wanted to speak about my top ten in a way that makes it as though it could just be a list of ten number ones, because I think they should all be sought out and enjoyed. Plus, this features the voice of the great Sean Bean, a.k.a. Ned Stark of House Stark, whose sibyl is that of a dire wolf, and so it comes full circle. It was hard not thinking of Game of Thrones and Ned Stark every single time the dude talked. I love this movie, and if me talking about it gets someone who hadn't had a chance or hadn't heard of it, and they love it too, then I want to hear about it. Wolfwalkers features the voice of Honor Nevesy, Sean Bean, Simon McBurney, and Eva Whitaker. It was directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart, and it was directed and it was written by Jerrica Cleland, Will Collins, Ross Stewart, and Tom Moore. It is available to stream right now via Apple TV+. My number six is The Stylist. second of my two film festival picks, which if I'm being honest, I'm not going to be shocked if I decide to include them in some way on my next, on next year's or this year's list, I guess, because I love them so much. The stylist screened earlier this year as part of the virtual fantastic fest and came out with much deserved praise. It follows a lonely and unstable hairstylist named Claire who begins, uh, becomes obsessed with the personal lives of her clients to the point of blurring the lines of reality and fantasy with murderous results. Najara Townsend's performance is phenomenal and sells the aching loneliness of Claire in managing to portray a cold-blooded killer in a sympathetic light. The movie feels so elegantly constructed through Jill Givargizian's eyes, and I know I butchered her name again, and I apologize, And though it's a little bit of a slow burn, there's not a wasted frame on display as each scene looks beautiful and the score accentuates the mood from beginning to end. There is clear influence here that calls to mind something like William Lustig's Maniac or even the 2012 remake starring Elijah Wood, but it has much more personal and emotion. It has a much more personal and emotional feel to it, which for me makes it that much more memorable and important to the horror genre. The Stylist stars Najara Townsend and Bria Grant. It was directed by Jill Givargizian, written by Jill Givargizian, Eric Havens, and Eric Stoles. And as of recording this, will be released via Arrow's video streaming service on March 1st, before hitting DVD, Blu-ray, and VOD platforms in June of 2021. My number five is Sound of Metal. 
Sound of Metal is a movie that had been on my head the weeks leading up to its release on Amazon Prime because it showed up on every single social media platform in the form of a sponsored ad. So who's to say that its placement here so high isn't just uh, Amazon Prime using me as a puppet to sell their movie? I'm kidding, of course. Sound of Metal is the story of Ruben, a recovering addict and heavy metal drummer who suddenly loses most, if not all, of his hearing, and so he winds up at a secluded house that houses members of the deaf community and helps those newly inflicted learn how to live without their hearing. This is very much a character study that delves into a deeper human condition. For a lot of this movie, Ruben refuses to believe that anything is wrong. He's told to stop subjecting himself to loud noises so he can preserve what hearing he has left, and the very next day slash scene, he's back at a concert going through the motions like everything's okay. We as people do things that fall in line with Ruben, whether we want to admit it or not. We endure hardships or accept things that we could otherwise change, and it's whether it's because we're in denial or that by accepting it, you're accepting the immediate hardships of changing it. Uh, but Riz Ahmed gives a phenomenal performance, and the movie is chock full of hard-hitting emotional beats, but also some hopeful and inspiring moments that really resonate. Plus, the movie uses sound in such an incredible way, which makes it a truly immersive and emotional experience. Sound of Metal stars Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, and Paul Racy. It was directed by Darius Martyr, and written by Darius Martyr, Abraham Martyr, and Derek Sienfrance. It is available to stream right now via Amazon Prime Video. My number four is Possessor. Another, but not the last appearance of a film from my top ten horror episode. And the second, but also the last film to feature the acting prowess of Christopher Abbott. Possessor is a jarring and memorable head trip, and I recommend you seek it out. Moving on to number three, which is Palm Springs. Sorry about that, Mr. Policeman. I thought you were someone else. Should always go with that first instinct, shitbird. Hi, Roy. You call for backup? Dude, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, come on, relax. I just, uh, I just clipped him. You did not just clip him! Well, he's a fucking sadist! I was just saving you! You should be thanking me! He was gonna kill you! Okay, well, no thank you! Freeze! Put your hands above your head! Suck my dick, officer, bitch! Seriously, man, just leave us alone. Are you gonna fucking tase me, fuckface? Ooh, ooh. Oh, yeah, go ahead and tase me! Come on, just do it! I'm touching your bike! Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh! Of my final three movies, I can say all three have brought me immense levels of joy, and all three do them in a very different and specific way. Palm Springs, of course, is the Hulu time loop rom-com where a pair of opposites get trapped in the same day by some desert voodoo over the course of a wedding in Palm Springs. I did a show on this with my wife, which was another highlight of the podcast for me over the last year, and not only was it a blast talking with her about it, the movie was a blast to watch with her as we're both we both found ourselves taken with the comedy, but also just the way it approaches the whole Groundhog Day-like premise. We had a deep conversation about how the uh, the movie and movies like it capture the feel of how when every day feels the same, the only meaning in that is to find someone who 
makes that repetition worth living. And I still feel that it I still feel that in spite of this being something of a silly rom raunchy rom-com, it has a lot of relatable emotional qualities to it and quite frankly could and should be taken more seriously even when it comes to award season uh, and not get snubbed off just because it's a crowd-pleasing R-rated comedy and not some Oscar Beatty period piece drama or war movie. Palm Springs stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Milliot, <clears throat> Kristen Milioti, and J.K. Simmons. It was directed by Max Barbacow and was written by Andy Sierra. It is available to stream right now via Hulu. My number two is Soul. Dr. Borgensen will be matched with Soul number 22. Oh, we're going to get into this now. Excuse me. 22, you come out of this dimension right now. How many times do I have to tell you? I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. Place. I don't want to. You will go to Earth and have a life. 22 has been at the U Seminar for quite some time and has had such notable mentors as Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln and Mother Teresa. <laughs> I made her cry. Ignore that. We're truly glad to have you here, Dr. Borgensen. It is an honor having you prepare 22 for Earth. I'm going to make you wish you never died. Most people wish that, 22. <laughs> Off you go. Bye. Soul is the movie on this list that I've had the least amount of time to unpack and think about, as it just hit Disney Plus less than a month ago as of recording this. And it is a truly delightful experience. It's one of the first times I wasn't constantly distracted trying to guess who was voicing who because I found myself so entranced by how bold the movie was with such a heavy premise in a kid's movie. Soul, of course, follows a musician who has lost his passion for music and an untimely accident sends his soul towards the afterlife. But not ready to accept his fate, his soul finds a way to a place where souls learn who they are before coming to Earth to be born. As I mentioned before, animation is a limitless well that can be used to transport us to places we never thought we'd go. Movies in general use a lot of the very same mechanisms, but there's something about a heavy adult-oriented premise like this portrayed through animation that makes it resonate in a beautiful and hopeful way despite some of its more emotionally devastating implications. The way the filmmakers constructed this story and have written in concepts for things such as a lost soul are so creative and profound, but at the same time playful and easy for kids to connect with without having to really worry about the heavier aspects of what the story is trying to convey. Soul is absolutely one of Disney Pixar's biggest achievements in storytelling animation to, and animation to date, and quite honestly, I would be shocked if it doesn't take home that animation Oscar this year. Soul features the voice of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, Graham Norton, Rachel House, Alice Braga, and Richard Aote. It was directed by Peter Doctor and Kemp Powers, and written by Pete Doctor, Mike Jones, and Kemp Powers. It's available to stream right now via Disney+. And finally, we are here at my number one, which is After Midnight. Now, I know this is out of the ordinary to have something this low budget and outside of the mainstream be my favorite movie of the year. But if you have followed my nonsense over the past few years, 
I typically find something that just speaks to me and I just can't let it go. The Endless from Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead was my favorite movie just two years ago, and I can't tell you how many blank faces I get if someone asks me for a recommendation and I bring that one up even two years later. I venture that the same thing will happen here with After Midnight, and just to bring that full full circle to what I just said, Justin Benson has a small role in this. I'm not at all saying that After Midnight should be tearing it up at the Oscars this year or any large-scale award show, though I'd be ecstatic if it did. The whole point of these top tens isn't to pick out what I think other people expect me to like or or want me to like. They're the movies that spoke to me, and After Midnight is a movie that's constantly been on my mind since I watched it and rewatched it. It's a movie I feel like I can watch no matter what mood I'm in, and I'll like it the same each time. Decades of watching movies, and I've found the things that I like have morphed multiple times, and right now I feel like I'm in a groove where I can easily pinpoint the things that are in a category just for me. And I know a lot of people like this. I've seen buzz for it and saw it on some top 10 horror lists, but I'm willing to bet that there aren't many willing to say that it's their favorite movie of the year overall. Also, don't pat me on the back for that. I'm not saying I should be rewarded for saying that I love something more than anyone, but simply to point out that this being in my top spot is the point of a top 10. You can get to know me and my tastes a little bit better by looking at or listening to what I think are my favorites. It's the same reason I read and listen to people's top tens because I love hearing people talk about their opinions on movies, whether I agree or not. And After Midnight was my favorite movie of 2020. And there you have it, folks. My top 15 movies of 2020. With that out of the way, I think I'm ready, and I know everyone else is ready, to wrap that shit-colored bow around 2020 and never speak of it again. That being said, I do want to hear what your favorite movies of 2020 are, and if you decide to check out something because I talked about it, or I talked you into it, please let me know by sending me an email to cinepubpod at gmail.com. I wanted to dive, maybe dive into some of my most anticipated movies of the year, uh, but at this point, who even knows what's going to come out for sure. I did one of those last year, and I look back and I think, more than half of them ended up being pushed back due to COVID. I have already had a chance to dive into some early 2020, 2021 releases, and we can dive into those in the coming weeks. But you can always check out the show on Twitter and Instagram with the username CinepubPod, where I try, emphasis on try, to post about what I'll be covering next. If you enjoyed listening and want to check out some of my written work, you can head on over to bloodygoodhorror.com, where I contribute occasional to frequent movie reviews. As always, I want to thank you for dropping by and hope you'll join me for another round soon. Cheers. <laughs>